Good morning. It's so good to reconnect with old, old faces and some new faces. Glad you're all here. Glad you're all here to hear God's word. Um, what a week in this nation, huh? And to not pray about it or to ignore it as if it didn't happen uh, is to be um, ostriches, right? Sticking our head in the sand. So why don't we just take a moment to pray, pray that Christ would use us as ambassadors of reconciliation, first to God and then to fellow man. Why don't we pray? Father, this morning, just even the images on the internet and the heartbreak and the sinful anger back and forth, Lord, we just pray that you would do a mighty work Father, that you would use churches, that they would be serious in their faith, serious for Christ. Lord, we think of the families of Alton Sterling and Philando Castillo. Lord, uh, even without knowing the circumstances, we just weep for the families. They've lost a loved one. Father, you tell us to weep with those who weep. We don't know every exact detail, Lord, but... Uh, We can have compassion. We can cry for those awful, awful deaths. Lord, we pray for the families, even the kids in the back of the car while their dad was shot. How awful the scene would be for that child, God. Lord, I pray you would save that child. Have mercy. Lord, we think of the five officers killed in Dallas who were giving their lives to protect protesters. We think of Brent Thompson and Patrick uh, Zamiripa and Michael Crawl and Lauren Ahrens and Michael Smith. Lord, Lord, we pray for their families. They just wanted their dads back, their parents back. Their, uh, they just wanted the family back, and that will never come to pass anymore. And so, Father, we pray that you would give them strength. May you reveal yourself through your word in Christ to them. We pray for uh, the unrest even in St. Paul, Minnesota, as rocks and bottles are being thrown, God. God, teach us to weep with those who weep. We understand this to all be symptomatic of the deep, deep, pervasive effect of sin. Since the fall of Adam, man has been at war with his brother, even as Cain killed Abel, Lord. Your word says, we were studying in Ephesians and how appropriate it says that. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. By abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances that in himself he might make the two into one man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through Christ, through the cross, by having it put to death, the enmity. O God, let us be ambassadors for reconciliation in Christ. Not like what the UN does, as just making peace treaties that are broken and broken, but Father... Help us to preach the gospel, to be living examples of the gospel, that they would be at peace with you, that they would know the one true God. 
And that, Father, that their hearts would be so transformed, it would be flooded with love for one another. That we could look across someone who looks different from us, who has a background who is different from us, and say, they are my brother, they are my sister in Christ. Teach us to be ambassadors to God first. That is the gospel. And then to fellow man, we pray. Help us. Help us to be examples of that. Help us to be reconcilers in our family, in our church, in our community. Help us to be peace seekers, God. Without compromising the truth of your gospel. We pray. Soften our hearts that we may hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We are going through the book of Ephesians. And uh, it's been, it's amazing even as we look at the book and how old the book is, it has much relevance today. You know, a lot of times preachers will say, you know, uh, I have to make the Bible relevant. No, you don't. The Bible is relevant. Right? It's, it is, as Spurgeon said, all you have to do is just let it out. Right? And Christ is his own attraction. But as we are going through this, how appropriate it is to look and to dwell upon what the word of God says. We are looking here in Ephesians chapter 6, and we're just going to take three verses for today. We've talked about husbands, we've talked about wives, and now we're going to talk about children. Children, in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. The family unit, we know this from news, from uh, popular uh, culture, that the family unit is under attack. Godless teaching of, is having little input into the lives of your children. Parents are sometimes absentee parents because of any number of reasons, broken homes, high-profile jobs. Children are not being raised by their parents. And children become embittered that they are left. They're estranged since they no longer know who their parents are, when the child acts out instead of pursuing the child's heart, we are told we need to pump them full of drugs to control them. Or perhaps it's worldly parenting that says, I let my child decide what is best for him, and they make their own decisions, and they will find their way. And we, we hear from Proverbs that that is a dangerous, dangerous method and form of parenting. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3, it is talking to children. Children, not, uh, children who can understand what Paul is saying. Children who have a faith in Christ. And so you young people, those who know Christ and those who don't, my target is for you. Because this is God's target. We targeted the husbands. We targeted the wives. And now this is for the children. How appropriate as you go to youth camp, right? It says here, Children, obey your parents. So why, why is this passage here? What is the point? God gave this passage, young person, so that you would glorify Christ in your family through spirit-empowered obedience. God gave this passage, young person, 
so that you would glorify Christ in your family through spirit-empowered obedience. Now, this has application to parents, so if you're a parent and you're hearing that point of the sermon, don't say, well, this is not for me, right? God has, in his own economy and in the way he has written this letter, he has told it to the families together. So parents, understanding what the roles of children are to be, understanding what your roles are to be, parents are to help shepherd Christ-centered, Christ-dependent, Scripture-informed, Spirit-empowered, Christ-glorifying obedience. I'll say that again. That's a lot of hyphenated words. As parents, you are to shepherd Christ-centered, Christ-dependent, Scripture-informed, Spirit-empowered obedience. Not empty timeouts or bribery. I see it in Costco at Carlsbad all day long. All day long. You, you think I'm telling a joke. As soon as we go to Costco, okay, please, pretty please, don't. Don't do that. I'll, I'll get you this if you just don't touch other things. I'm like, oh my goodness. There's no understanding of roles. And in fact, it produces chaos. Not simply behavior modification. Brothers and sisters, those who are parents, your goal is not simply behavior modification. Simply to change bad behavior into morally good behavior on the outside. That's not deep enough. That's not what Christ himself desires. Christ desires true repentance and salvation and changed lives. And that should be your target. That should be your goal. It doesn't matter if they outwardly obey, if their hearts rage against you and God. If you're not parents and you're not in this role, I pray as you disciple youth who are that you would uh, turn them to heart obedience, heart submission to their parents because it brings glory to Christ and to all of you who are listening to help others in this path, to have compassion for this difficult journey of growing up and parenting. I love that God even cares for us, that he hasn't left us in the dark. How to figure this out? We'd be lost. He's given us his word. And it also helps you to foster obedience yourself as God is your father. And we are his children. You will find parallels of how to obey. So how do you bring glory to Christ by obeying your parents? How do you do that? Well, just to give a background before we move on, we understand that Paul has been unveiling the truths to his people, to the church in Ephesus. In chapter 1, he has told them that before the foundation of the world, that God the Father elected them from eternity past. We see it here, if you would follow with me, in Ephesians chapter 1. Very clearly, he says, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. This is why, this is what's fantastic. I had someone tell me that, Angelo, you don't have every blessing. You don't have everything you need in Christ. You're insufficient in Christ. And I said, no, that's not what my Bible reads. It says here, blessed be the God and Father of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. 
Verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, brothers and sisters, there is no love story better than that. God who has loved you before the world was, knew every sin you would commit, and even the sins you would commit after being saved, and still he elects to save you. That's undying love. Secondly, we know that the Spirit, or excuse me, the Son, it says here, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood. We know that His blood is simply Christ, that the Father elected us, but now the Son purchased us. He purchased us, and He, he paid the price for your sin, if you've come to know Him. Thirdly, we know that we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Notice in verse 13, in him you have listened to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the Holy Spirit of promise. And then he moves on in Ephesians chapter 2 to tell us that we were dead in our sins and he made us alive and that we have received the gift of forgiveness in Ephesians chapter 2. And then he calls us to walk in a manner worthy. And as he moves on, he says this pivotal verse in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He asks us, he commands us to live in a way that glorifies him. But in Ephesians 5, 18, he gives us the power. He gives us the resources. In Ephesians 5, 18, he says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, we are to dwell in God's Word. We are to depend on His Spirit. And now He's going to unveil for us the different relationships in which we will need the Spirit. We need Him in every relationship, but especially these. Because it is in these relationships where we get the rub of life. It is in these relationships where your faith will be tested behind the closed doors of your nicely mowed lawn and your nicely painted numbers on your curb, right? When the doors are closed, do you live a Christian life in the house? And so he says, you can't do this apart from Christ. You can't do this apart from the Spirit of God. You can't do this without supernatural help from on high. And I would say, give up on that. Just say, God, I can't do this. I need your help. I need to be filled with your spirit. Help me to be a father. Help me to be a husband. Help me to be a wife. And now a young person. Young person. Help me to live a life of obedience to glorify Christ in the home. So how do you do that? Well, to bring glory to Christ, we understand we have to depend on the spirit. We got to be saved. You have to be saved to do this, okay? Simply doing what your parent says does not honor Christ. Why? Because without faith, what? We cannot please God, right? And so here, this is directed for, this is directed for young people who have been saved, who know Christ. And if you don't know who Christ is, I invite you just to listen. Because maybe God is talking to you, why can't I obey? Why do I keep rebelling against my parents? Why do I, when I hear their voice, it's, it's like nails on a, a chalkboard. Eee! I don't want to hear it. Why is that? The Bible says it's because of sin. 
You don't want their authority because ultimately you don't want the authority of God. So how do you do this? How do you bring glory to Christ? First, you have to recognize Christ's lordship. Recognize Christ's lordship. Young person, please listen. There is a call for you. There is a call for you. This is a distinct call for you in this time of your life. It says children. In that culture, there were biological children, of course, and there's adopted children. But in the Greco-Roman world, adult free males were usually addressed in the household. They were usually talked to the dads. They never really talked to the children, right? Uh, those who are under the dads. And so Paul changes from culture here, and he says, no, dads have a role, moms have a role, husbands have a role, wives have a role, you have a role. You have a role. You are under guardianship, you are a child. Old and, uh, well, what does this child mean? You're old enough to be conscious of a relationship to Christ, yet young enough to still be brought up in the home. And when does that end? When does that obedience end? Well, it's defined here. Look, verse 31. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife. If you don't want to obey anymore, get out. That's what the Bible is saying. Go get married. Take care of yourself. Right? That's when the definition of that changes. But you still honor your father and mother. And no, I'm not telling you to leave right now. Okay, But what I'm saying is that is the progression, of the, the biblical progression of how you are to grow in these stages of life. Now, biblically, children are a blessing. In Psalm 127, you know, a lot of folks, they will say, well, well, I don't have children. I have pets. My pets are my children. No, your pets are not children they're not made in the image of god okay and and what they say they say that is well i can't take kids a lot of times i hear this i can't do i i can't bother with children they're just such a bother that is not the biblical perspective and in fact we need to bring that back up children are a blessing brothers and sisters i i sometimes grab my kids by the face and they go oh dad oh dad i grab them by the face and i say carlo i love you you are a blessing to me. I love you. I'm so glad God has brought you in my life. Right? I think sometimes parents, we're too busy correcting and we're not busy encouraging. Right? The Bible says in Psalm 127, children are the gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is, is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a quiver, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. God bless you, Jeremy. bless you then it says here obey obey okay now the word here for obey is a greek word hupakuo it means to obey to follow to be subject to it means to listen to to obey on the basis of having paid attention to to listen to hearken not just to hear to listen and to obey okay there's that component you are changing your behavior because of what you've heard now, this is, this is used in um, Romans chapter 6. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey its lust. There, it's used negatively, that you would obey the flesh, right? It's used um, the, for believers to obey Jesus. Having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source 
of eternal life. It's used, that same word is used when Jesus stills the storm. Remember when they were all freaked out, he's asleep, and they're all freaked out because the storm was coming up and the waves are getting high. And Jesus wakes up, he says, where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed and saying, who then is this that he commands even the winds and the water? They obey him. God has called you to hear, to heed, to listen, and to obey. Because, you know, your parents may know something or two. God has given them as rightful authorities in your life. You ought to praise God if you have Christian parents. Because it makes this much easier. If they know the name of the Lord and they are living for Christ, what a blessing. What a heritage. I didn't have that. I came from a broken home. My dad's saved now. My mom's with the Lord. I didn't have that. No one was directing me. But God, God has so brought you into this home so that you would have this heritage. I keep telling my kids, you guys know so much more than I did when I was your age. I don't know. I didn't know anything about scripture. I have a lot of baggage I have to deal with. Manny, now it's getting hot. Can you turn on the air conditioner? Now I'm getting hot. <laughs> the subject is hot. Subject is hot, right? But, uh, but in these days, obedience to parents, you know, what's, what's weird is sometimes I go to, um, uh, uh, it was, I think it was my wife's birthday, and I got some discount, and we went down to San Diego to uh, this restaurant, Fogue de Chão. Do you guys know that? It's a Brazilian steakhouse. Man, I love that place, right? They just keep piling on meat and everything. Right? But the waitress came to me, and this is no boast of me or boast in my kids, but the waitress came to me and said, I've never seen kids who could just sit down and eat and not run around, right? Whereas Christ says that should be the norm, that they would obey their, fa their family. My wife just said, it was just so nice to be able to eat and kids are not running around. And what that did was it, it said, well, it gives an opportunity for the gospel. And we just simply say, well, we're just trying to please Christ. Right? When in our jujitsu classes, they say, why do your kids listen? Why are they listening? And I just say, because of Christ. No, you got some other principle. No, it's Christ. No, no, you got some other principle. You guys got some other technique. It's Jesus Christ in our lives. We're not perfect. We all have our days, right? But it's what Christ does. And they take obedience seriously. Sadly, it is the mark of an unbeliever if you don't obey. If you are a child, of, uh, if you are a child in the home and you don't obey your parents, that is a mark of an unbeliever. Let me show you. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and Verse 28, they do not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. God gave them over to a depraved mind to be those things which are not proper, being filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips. Verse 30, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil. Last one right here, disobedient to parents. If you have a lifestyle, young folks, as, please listen to me. 
if you have a lifestyle that is habitually, unrepentantly, continually disobedient to your parents, you will disobey them. If you will keep disobeying unless you get caught. If that is your heart, the Bible says that's a mark of an unbeliever, not a believer. I'm not saying this to scare you, young folks. I'm saying this so that you would run to Christ because we are all wicked sinners. One of my, one of my, um, one of my daughters who shall remain, who shall remain nameless, she, uh, she said, oh, I, I just can't stand that I procrastinate. I can't stand that I was so lazy and I didn't do all my work and now I have to do it, right? And as I, as I talked to her, I said, that was me apart from Christ. I did that same thing. But you know what? Christ died for procrastinators like you and me. Lazy folks like you and me. Hallelujah. See, that's where we have the gospel introduction, parents. Amen? It's not that we slam them every single time they sin. Are you upset? Yeah. So maybe you need to go take a breather. But when you come back, brothers and sisters, it's not enough simply to say, well, the next time you need to do this and then call it like that and leave it there. You haven't done your job as parents, brothers and sisters. What you have to do is, well, what is the motivation in the heart? Why didn't you want to share with your sister? Well, the root cause is there's selfishness in the heart. Why didn't you want to get your work done? Well, the root cause is laziness in the heart. Why didn't you want, why did you punch that person in the eye? Right? The root cause is hatred in the heart. And so as parents, we are to get to the root cause and point them that as they are struggling with sin, they could turn to Christ. Not deflate them, but give them hope. Yes, discipline the sin, but give them hope in Christ. You can turn to Christ. All is not lost. You have Christ. And now, your parents, those who are in charge of your care, children are given on loan to parents. Parents, you're only steward stewarding them. You're only shepherding that relationship. And God, if, uh, if you would do this by his will, it says in Proverbs 23, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice and he who begets a wise son will be glad in him. Now, here is the most important point of this whole text, okay? You see the call, but secondly, you see the audience, okay? The audience. And this little phrase that says, in the Lord, okay? Now, this is what happens when we talk about principles of the family and we talk about principles of living. If you simply say, okay, parents need to be, have communication, needs to be trust, there needs to be dealing with discipline, there needs to be rules, and you leave it right there, that message is sub-Christian at best. And in fact, it has no real bearing. It could be any kind of moralistic teaching. It could be a Mormon teaching. It could be a Jehovah Witness teaching. It could be, a, it could be a, even a Muslim teaching. But this sets it all apart in the Lord now. And what does that mean? It means that you, child, as you are at home, 
When your dad or your mom tells you to throw the trash, when your dad or your mom tells you to go help out with the kids, when your mom or your dad tells you to vacuum, that you don't see it as simply vacuuming or taking out the garbage, that you don't see it as simply sweeping the garage or dusting the cobwebs, but that you see it that I am in the home now and as a child of this parent who God has brought as authority of my life, that when I push this broom, I do it in the sight of Almighty God. And now that my my service is no longer horizontal simply to please my parents to get them off my back. Now, as a child of God, I am pleasing the master of this whole universe, the Lord who created heaven and earth, and he is pleased with it. And now he sees my heart. I'm doing it for you, even God. You can do that, brothers and sisters. You can do that young person who knows Christ. That is glorifying to him. That brings him honor rather than, oh, I can't stand my mom's voice. Who left their socks in the living room again? Please take out your socks again. It will freak your parents out if you commit your heart to the Lord and say, you know, I'm going to obey and honor them with a happy heart. We used to say growing up, Obedience was, what was it? <laughs> yeah. First, what is it? First time? Right away. No delay with a happy heart, right? That they would obey God and see him as this is who I am serving. You notice it says this in Ephesians chapter, notice in Ephesians, he gives us this same point even through all of our relationships. Notice it says here, Verse 22, Ephesians 5. Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord, right? Notice this, 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loves the church. Now look at Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. You see, just as you need motivation to be husbands who sacrificially give and die to your wives as Christ loves the church, just as wives need uh, the Lord as motivation to submit to their husbands, even silly husbands, right? Children, you need the Lord. Parents, don't, don't let those opportunities go by. Sometimes there's difficulty when and a child is trying to obey and they're having a hard time in their heart. Rather than saying, come on, you can do it. Get there, you can do it. You just crush their dependence on God. You close that opportunity. Why don't you sit and say, do you want to pray? Let's pray that Christ will give you strength. Oh, yeah, let's pray. I'll pray for you. My parent, my kids have never said, no, nah, I don't want to pray. Forget that. I don't want to pray. Why? Because they want the strength of the Lord. And what happens is they learn to depend on his strength. They learn to depend on his strength when the going gets hard. And that is invaluable. If they could learn that principle in life, 
that I would trust in Christ when the going gets hard. Oh, brothers and sisters. Oh, that's all I want for my family. Amen. That they know Christ and they serve him and they trust in him. I don't even care if I reach hundreds and hundreds for Christ. If my kids go to hell and don't know him. I want, I want my kids to know him. Amen. Don't you? Just to give their lives for him. To spend their lives for him. Amen. Now, it is motivation for doing for the Lord's sake. They do it for the Lord. Colossians 3.20 says it this way. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for it is well-pleasing to the Lord. In fact, young person, when you are at home and mom and dad asks you to obey and you do it with the right heart, God says it's well-pleasing. Let's sit, sit down and think about this. If I were to draw a metaphor, it would be like this. You put a smile on God's face. God is looking at you, and if you have a relationship with Christ, and you say, yes, I will do it for your glory, God is praised. And then it says, for this is right, that means righteous, upright, just, good, honest, it is self-evident. There's a quote I want to read with you, why this is so important. It is important for the salvation of your children, yes, it is important also even for the fabric of society. Here's a quote. But from the time of the fall, the family has been plagued with problems of every sort that weaken, undermine, and threaten to destroy it. The first cause of those problems, as of every human problem, is the sinful nature that which every person is born. When you invite, when you have a child in your home, you're bringing in a soul who so, a soul who is depraved in mind and will and in heart and who needs a savior. Just as David says, they were conceived in sin, born in sin. Right? They need a savior. Now, the first cause of those problems is sin. The curse of the fall is built into the family. It is a curse that causes men to be chauvinistic rather than sacrificial. Right? Women to usurp the place of men rather than humbly submitting. Children to be disobedient to their parents rather than obeying. And parents to be abusive to their children rather than, uh, rather than gently shepherding them. Only where Christ is in control, Savior and Lord, can a family live up to the standards and fulfill the ministry that God commands. So that's your first principle. That's your first principle. Recognize Christ's lordship. That in the home, it is much higher than just mom and dad. Mom and dad are just agents, okay? It is much higher than them, and God sees it. Secondly, secondly, receive Christ's blessing, okay? Receive Christ's blessing. There are three components for God's blessing. First, to understand these components, God wants your heart. God wants your heart. And you notice he says here, he says there in uh, verse 2, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the, on the earth. Honor. Honor. The word there means to set a price on. It means to estimate, to value for oneself. It's a term of reverence, preciousness, and honor. 
It is used to revere God in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory. It's used towards God on the throne when the living creatures in Revelation chapter 4, verse 9 says, Give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever. Now, obedience deals with the action, okay? The behavior. Honor deals with the heart attitude, okay? To simply get just the outside, the obedience portion, and not deal with the heart issue is to miss the whole thing. God desires that you would esteem your parents, value your parents. You want to know one way you could value your parents, young, young person? Perhaps you're going to make a decision. Why don't you ask your parents for advice? That shows, number one, that you actually think they might know something, okay? And it shows, number two, right, that you value what they have to say, the input in your life, okay? That's honoring. Or if something is unknown, whether or not you should do something, and you don't know if your parent wants you to, why don't you talk to them in open discussion? Or you know something else that honors them? Why don't you acknowledge their existence in the house? That's good. Hey, mom, how are you? Hey, here's my day. How was your day? You know, your mom is actually a person. Right? She's actually a person with feelings and thoughts. Your dad is a person with feelings and thoughts. When you honor them, you esteem them. You value them. Perhaps maybe take dad out on a Father's Day or Mother's Day. Take mom out. You honor them. Now, how do they learn that? Children have to be trained to obey and honor their parents by their parents. Parents, you don't have to work for this position. You have authority by virtue of being a parent. You must just live this role and live it lovingly, kindly, not overbearing as despots, as dictators, but as gentle shepherds. Live the role. That's your role, okay? And we're going to talk about that next Sunday, well, three Sundays from now, okay? We're going to talk about that, right? So God demands your heart. Young person, it's not simply behavior modification. Is your heart in it? Second, secondly, God demands your obedience. Not just he, he wants your heart, but he demands your obedience, which is a commandment with a first promise. The word there, first commandment, he says first commandment. Now, we know that's not the first commandment in, in Exodus 20, but it's actually the first commandment of the second table of the Ten Commandments. What does that mean? It means that it's the first commandment dealing not just with God, but how do we deal with other people? And the first uh, commandment Deals in the family, honor your father and mother. Because it is when this falls apart, all society falls apart. As soon as they stop listening to mom and dad, they're not going to listen to a cop. They're not going to have authority. They're not gonna, they're not, if they have a gun, they're not going to drop it. Why? Because they don't know authority. Okay? Now, you have to judge each case differently, okay? 
I'm not saying this is always the case, but there's some, some like just like this, right? Uh, you want your children, even from a worldly perspective, to understand your authority because, you know what, a cop is not going to understand that. And a cop is not going to be as understanding as you are. That is the truth. Right? They're not going to manhandle your child. You have to do this, brothers and sisters. If, there's, if your child is going the wrong way, you have to speak up. If there's something going on, you have to speak. You have to stand in the gap. You have to be God's agent in their lives. Okay, that's the next sermon. We'll keep, keep going. Young people, still with us. Keep going. Okay. When a society rejects this one fundamental truth that binds the family, they are destroying themselves. When youth are told they can do whatever they want to question authority, they soon ridicule their parents. They punch their teachers. Oh, yeah, this is, this is absolutely true. They reject morality. They rebel against all authority. They punch, they have fun and they punch senior citizens on the corner because there's no respect. Children who are taught to honor and obey their parents in Christ brings blessing, harmony, love, order. Unruly, disobedient children left unchecked and undisciplined will bring unruly, disobedient adults who in turn create an unruly and undisciplined society. So it is a commandment given by God. But lastly, God desires your well-being. This is actually a benefit for you. And here's a promise, okay? If you obey God in this, if you know him and you trust in his spirit to do this, and you do this with the right heart, okay? God says it will be well with you. I love that. What does that mean? Well, it means to do good, to show kindness, that you may prosper, excellent, happily, it's used to signify greatness, abundance, prosperity. Um, blessings that are rich and are harmonious. Now, here are the, here's the blessings. You know what I love? I love to be home. Dads, do you love to be home or, or is it a pain? I love to be home. Moms, I hope you love to be home. Well, you can go away for a little bit and come back, right? That's what my wife has to do, right? I just need to go. And I'll come back. But what is a blessing is that there is a rich and harmonious home. There's peace. Satisfaction and love. Home where the youth enjoy the fellowship they have with their parents. They actually enjoy their parents. And parents love the fellowship that they have with their children. They're not irritating to them. They love them. Proverbs 23 says, The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who begets a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. And then it says, And that you may live long on the earth. Long lived really it means long time. And I think what this means is that your life will not be cut short due to disobedience. I think God does that. We know that in Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. We know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 with members of the Corinthian church. So, how do you glorify Christ in the home? Young person, you have to recognize Christ's lordship and you have to receive Christ's blessings. Now, I, I, I asked Jose and Marlo this morning, I woke them up and I said, can I share this story? Because it really 
matches. Okay. Some of you know the story, others of you don't. Uh, Uncle Jose, you were telling me the story, I almost started crying. But uh, Marlo got saved. What year did you get saved, Marlo? 1990. Marlo is the daughter of, um, we call him affectionately Uncle Jose. All of you guys know Uncle Jose. He is a, an evangelist. He loves preaching. He'll preach anywhere, any corner that you give him with shade, with shade. It has to have shade. Okay. Now, Marlo got saved, and, um, and my wife would tell me, you know, uh, Uncle Jose was not saved. He was a hardened, uh, bold Roman Catholic who was almost became a Jehovah Witness. And for eight years, uh, he didn't want Marlo to go to youth ministry. He didn't want Marlo to go to church. See, it's, it sounds kind of weird because you know, if you know Jose, he will share the gospel with anyone who will listen. Even if you don't listen, he'll still share the gospel. If you're at DMV, he'll share in the line, right? Right? And you can't go anywhere because you need your registration, right? <laughs> right? But for eight years, he, he didn't want Marlo to go to ministry. He didn't want her to go to church. And so she struggled with that. I mean, imagine that. You're a Christian and you want to have fellowship. You want to hear the preaching of God's word. And she was encouraged to obey her dad, her unbelieving dad. Okay? So hard. Okay? Because the priorities are not the same. But Marlo never forced the gospel. This is Jose's own words. Never forced the gospel on him. And I asked about Marlo's obedience. She go, he said, he, she always honored me and always obeyed me. And I, and I said, well, what changed? She, he said, I saw that she loved God. And she saw how she loved God. And what happened was, after those eight years... Uncle Jose started to get soft to the gospel. Because Marlo said, I want to glorify God in the home. Even though it's hard, my own dad's persecuting me. And I asked Jose, do you want to say anything? He, he says, God can use anyone to be an ambassador for reconciliation. Young person, the Bible says, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity, show yourselves to be an example of those who believe. And that softened, humanly speaking, it softened Jose's heart. And he went to church, heard Steve preach, and he got saved. Now, Jose is an integral part of our church plant. But humanly speaking, you got to think this, okay? Humanly speaking, all due to the obedience of a young high school girl's dedication. I'm going to glorify Christ in the home, even though it's hard. Young person, can you glorify God? Can you do that? Maybe you need to get right with your parents. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness of things said, of times when you didn't honor, get right with them. If you don't know the Lord, I pray you would please go home and pray. Get, on your, get in your room. Get on your faces and ask God, God, my heart doesn't want to obey all the time. 
My heart is hard towards my parents all the time. Why is that? The reason it's like that is because God is knocking on it and you're not listening. You think their parents are just checked out. Please listen to me. It, that Those little pangs of guilt of you not listening is God himself knocking on the door of your heart, the Spirit of God, and you are not listening. Turn to him. It is God's signal that you need Christ. Turn to him, and he will forgive you, and he will change your heart, and he will bring peace in the home. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we marvel. We are grateful that you can use young lives for your glory. I pray we as parents would help our children in this, that they would grow in the Lord, that they would first trust in his sacrifice on the cross and that they would be saved and that they would trust in the spirit of God. Oh, young person, I pray. If God is working on your heart, I pray you would give them your life. Give him your life. Stop playing church. No more playing games. Give yourself to him. Accept his forgiveness. If you're in sin, ask for forgiveness. Make it right. Oh, God, thank you that you... You have given us your spirit to do these things. We can't do it apart from you. Help us. May we be obedient children. Forgive us of our sins, God. Help us. Help us to sing. Bless this Sunday in Jesus' name. Amen.